You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from the Montreal Gazette, and I'm here with Mary Clark from For the Win. This episode is brought to you by Locked On NHL. You need more hockey news in your life, and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening across the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps, and subscribe to Locked On NHL today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we've got a really exciting show for you today. This is our last, uh, like essentially freeform show of the summer. We're going to switch things up coming up soon, and we're going to have Locked On hosts from across the Locked On podcast network, or at least the NHL side of the network, previewing every team in the NHL. Who's in, who's out, what kind of uh, play changes they expect next year, is you know coaching changes, and what are the expectations for next season. So we're really excited to bring you essentially a giant two-month-long cross-promotional series through the Crosscheck NHL show, and... I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be amazing for everybody to get a taste of what every single team is up to really acclimate you to how the league has changed coming off of last year. I know I struggle at the beginning of every year, like who went where uh, sometimes free agents. I'm like, Oh, they're on that team. Well, if you listen to the cross check NHL show for the entire summer, you will know, you will know. All right. So Mary today, we're going to talk about who are the biggest potential bounce back players for the 2021, 2022 season. We're going to do an update on the Evander Kane situation because there's been more details breaking there. And also, uh, from an interview in a Russian paper and for, with uh, Nikita Zadarov, there was some stuff in there about uh, Nathan McKinnon. And uh, is Nate McKinnon a little bit of a psycho? We're going to talk about that and more. But first off, Mary, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, a little bit tired because I've been, like I said, I've been taking care of my friend's dogs uh, and they have... You know, they like to wake me up in the morning. So it's one of those things where I don't always get a full eight hours of sleep. It's kind of broken up into like a couple hour segments, depending on if they're being nice to me or not. But no, everything is good. Um, It's been weird not having hockey. It really feels like like it feels like the end of the season is like a million like happened a million years ago. But then also yesterday, like it's been a very weird month for hockey because Usually by now we're in the middle of the off season. Now the off season's really just started and it's a shortened one. So I'm just, I'm, you know, trying to enjoy life without hockey for now, but it's nice to have a break because it's a shortened one and we're going to have a lot of content for you uh, with the other locked on hosts. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm just trying to enjoy my life without hockey for now because October will be coming and the season is a grind. We all know this. This is true. I feel like there's always there's the excitement that carries you through October and maybe most of November. And then like December, January becomes a bit of a grind. And then February, it's trade deadline time. So there's a bit more excitement in the lead up to the playoffs. So it's really that like the holiday time that I find um, are about the worst of the NHL season. I really enjoyed last year's compressed season, to be honest. I, I think we would all be better served by a shortened season. And I know the NHL would make less money. So I think you can fill in the gaps with like a couple of breaks and do tournaments like they do in European football leagues. I, I just feel like it's something the NHL will never do, but it, would, it just has such big potential for creating more important games throughout the season and giving us a more exciting product. But I digress. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of news because there hasn't been really many days that have gone by in this summer without some sort of hockey news. And the biggest one, 
that isn't a huge topic is that uh, John Tortorella has apparently been hired by ESPN, according to Aaron Portsline, who would know because he's uh, <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets reporter of record, essentially. Uh, so John Tortorella has previously worked as a commentator for TSN, and I think opinions were kind of split on him because he was kind of terrible in terms of actual analysis. He didn't give a lot. He was just like, I'll be a grump. And he, he almost played like a, a caricature of himself. And him and James Duthie had a very good banter. James Duthie would ask him a question and Torts would refuse to answer it, essentially. But I don't I don't know how this is going to work out. What do you think? I think maybe if he plays a little, uh, plays along a little more than he did at TSN, he might work in like the, you know, the Stephen A. Smith type of like avenue. Uh, mm. I'm kind of, I'm also skeptical about it. Uh just because, um, you know, we've we've talked about his, you know, coaching methods and uh, his antics with the media and his players, and that is, you know, struck a struck a chord with certain people. Uh, I'm interested to see how this goes because I think there is a niche that he can possibly fill here. Is like, like I said, being kind of a Stephen A. type, but he has to lean into it. He can't just be a grump. He has to actually, like, you know. Bring something to the table. Yeah, bring something to the table. I mean, I'm pretty sure Wayne Gretzky is also going to be. I don't know if he's he in studio. So like, maybe I don't. I don't really know his personality that much, but like that idea is really interesting to me. Of like, you know, the biggest star in hockey versus you know John Tortorella and his grumpy grumpiness. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm I'm willing to see how it goes, but there is very like there is an obvious path where this can go badly. Uh, so I just hope that it doesn't, because I think it could make for possibly interesting television. We'll see how it goes. I, I know, like you said, his time at TSN, you know, was kind of split between fans if it was good or if it was bad. Uh, but I don't get TSN, so I didn't really get to see it unless there was some obnoxious quote that he said or something. But yeah, yeah, uh, I'm willing to give it a shot, but I have my reservations. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I'm looking it up now, and it, it appears that Wayne Gretzky is actually on TNT, not ESPN. Mm, okay. So it's it's Mark oh, Messier who's on ESPN. All right. And this is kind of my worry a little bit for ESPN is that they're getting too many people who are like just the grump. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Messier is very grumpy as well. Well, they're well. trying and, to do they're trying to do like a Charles Barkley type of thing. They're trying. To yeah, get, would, they're trying make, to like. Sense, I, I think they're trying. But to I think throw... they need somebody a little bit more high energy. That's fair. I think they're trying to throw as many darts as possible as they can with like you know former sure. players. Is PK Subban a part of it too? At some points, he, he's been he was on there for the playoffs. Okay. but obviously he's not going to be there during yeah, the season. During the season, but I mean, like maybe I he'll guess... be on the playoffs again unless he gets traded out of uh, New Jersey. Yeah, so because so, he would be the perfect person for this type of role, but obviously he's still a player. So I mean that's. Uh, it would be cool to see him in the playoffs too, but I think that they're trying to throw as many darts as possible on the dartboard and see if something sticks. I mean, I probably would have gone with maybe, you know, more personable players, uh, or at least, you know, a, a bigger pool of applicants possibly, but I I think I can see what ESPN is trying to do here with this. We'll see if it works, but I, I can understand what they're going for because they're trying to find a Charles Barkley type to put out there and kind of be like one of the faces of their coverage. Yeah, and that makes sense. I, I hope it works out for them. I hope Mark Messier is a bit more uh, willing to play along than he has been in some media engagements. Maybe he'll be more like his commercial persona, and he'll always be eating Lay's. But uh, we'll we'll move on because I think that that's there's not much more to say until we can actually see what happens on ESPN. But uh, so I, I came up with this idea of looking at uh, which players could bounce back the most next season because I think we all see the last season and the playoffs before it 
as a bit of an aberration, not in terms of like anything that happened didn't count, not what we're saying at all, but there are players who adapted to the COVID lifestyle better than others. There's some who probably got held back by it, and the compressed schedule also factors in for players who suffered injuries. And uh, there's also just plain old bad luck. Some players didn't have things go their way last season when they normally would have. So I, I came up with an, uh, a list of guys who I think could have big bounce back years next year. And I think the top among all of them is probably Carter Hart. Oh, yeah. I mean, he what did he he had like the worst save percentage in the entire NHL. Wasn't it historic, too? I feel like that. Uh, it, I, I mean, it couldn't have been worse than the 80s, but. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was really bad. Uh, he so had 877. So maybe it could have been worse than I some think parts I think 80s. I think it was historically bad. I don't know how many years you'd have to go back to find a save percentage worse than that. But it is probably a very long time. Yeah, uh, he's my number one with a bullet. Uh, Carter Hart is uh, for bounce back candidates and the Flyers kind of need him to bounce back Um, the crux of their team composition I think relies on him bouncing back Uh, and I think he will I mean the he's a resilient kid Um, he's always talked about having um, you know calm mindset I've interviewed him in the past um, back when I worked at the athletic Um, he's a very chill dude he's probably one of those players that COVID really interrupted his life um, and I can absolutely see that, um, and just kind of threw everything out of whack. Cause I mean, it, hockey players are humans first and foremost. And I'll talk about this later, obviously, when we talk about the Olympics, as I want to do now, because I'm an Olympics person. Uh, but yeah, I think Carter Hart is the prime bounce back candidate. The Flyers need him to bounce back. And I think he will. I mean, this is definitely obviously the worst season he's had in his career, but they're, he may not be the super superstar. There's there is a little bit of doubt there, but I think that he can show people this year that he is, you know, kind of who we thought he was. Maybe maybe not that super stu- superstar. Maybe not you know Carey Price incarnate type of thing. But I still think he can be an incredible goalie. Um, so we'll see what happens this year. But he is definitely a player on my list that I am dying to see again because i know last season was probably left a bad taste in his mouth and it was not fun for flyers fans either and yeah it was very uncharacteristic of him and i'm assuming he wants to get back out there and show the world that that was not who he is yeah just for context on carter hart the last season where his 877 save percentage would have been above league average was 1985-86 yeah yeah, in the it's modern NHL, yeah, in the modern NHL, it yeah, it is terrible, uh, and I feel for him. I mean, it it really was. Um, it wasn't all just his fault too. I mean, the, um, the numbers kind of say it is, but the Flyers went with you know Brian Elliott as the backup, and you know age old Brian Elliott can't really carry the starters load when their goalie needs a break. Uh, So the Flyers kind of did it to themselves, too. So it isn't all on Carter Hart. And I don't think Brian Elliott had a great year either. I mean, it was just it was not good. Carter Hart needed some time off and the Flyers weren't able to give it to him because of the compressed schedule. Like you said, I know you were a fan of that, but I know a lot of players weren't. Um, Yeah, it's harder on players. I think I'm not necessarily a fan of the compressed schedule so much as I'm a fan of fewer games. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like you were a fan more of shorter game or a shorter season, which I'm okay with because it really is um, a mat. Like the season stretches on. It's a grind. And hockey players definitely felt that. And Carter Hart was definitely one of those players that felt that. But, you know, um, I think that he will bounce back this year. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's got 
for fans because he seems like a guy on a mission to prove everybody wrong that last year was a fluke. Yeah, I think he's, he's like number one with the bullet. Uh, other guys that I think people were probably thinking of are like Patrick Liney, right? He had a horrible year, kind of a, a second straight off year for goal scoring, maybe even third straight, actually. And I, I have to look that up. He's, he's kind of struggled to recapture the first two seasons of his career in terms of putting the puck in the net. But I think we all recognize that he has the talent. But I went over to uh, Evolving Hockey, and I essentially used their like uh, broad strokes uh, model for like how much a player contributes to their team, which is uh, goals above replacement. And I looked at their goals above replacement versus expected goals above replacement. And I looked at who was among the biggest gaps there. So some of the names that popped out for that in terms of like who could, whose play on the ice deserved better overall results than they got. And that doesn't necessarily mean offensive production. So when we're talking about these names, some of them actually had decent offensive years, but uh, it, it just means overall play. They should get better results this year than last year. Uh, one of the ones that popped out to me was Nick Ritchie, who the Maple Leafs just signed on a bit of a like a show me deal, which is interesting because he was a guy that uh, certain Maple Leafs pundits were really upset that the Leafs didn't take above William Nylander. Uh, the year that William Nylander was drafted, now Nick Ritchie's available for a bargain. And uh, his underlying numbers last year were actually great. Uh, so he could be found money for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He could even be uh, decently able to replace Zach Hyman, or at least what Zach Hyman brings offensively. Yeah. Um, and going back to Patrick Laine, uh, I looked up on Hockey References stats. Uh, last year in 46 games, he had 12 points and or 12 goals and 24 points total. Um, in the previous year, he had 28 goals in 68 games. Um, and I mean, everybody remembers, you know, uh, his first couple seasons where he had, you know, 36 goals and then 44 goals in his, you know, sophomore year. Um, so I, I don't know if we'll ever see, you know, peak Patrick Line ever again. But I really do think that maybe, you know, in Columbus, he will, you know, find his groove there i mean he sort of did um but he was an on and off goal scorer like he was but i just wanted to you know get the stats out there since you were asking for him uh but nick ritchie is a good one too um you also posted in here alexi lafreniere um and i mean i know he was you know number one overall pick um the you know a lot of you know noise was made about him and he only had 12 goals in 56 games i think with you know the rangers did a lot of restructuring possibly for the worse because uh you know the the tom wilson effect i think got to them a little bit with some of their Definitely. moves um but i think he is another player that is primed for a uh, for you know to take a step forward at least uh maybe not necessarily have a bounce back year but like at least take a step forward in his development because yeah you can't really bounce back if you've only had one year <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Right? there's nothing to bounce back to he's just progressing yeah so I think that he could definitely take a step forward this year. Um, before the show, I, I know you were talking about you were using a specific model, but one name, uh, you know, stood out to me just, you know, looking down at through the teams. Um, and I know that there's, I guess, a little bit of controversy about this player, considering the stuff that happened to him during the season that was of his own fault. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov had a very disappointing mm. year last year. Uh, had nine goals in 41 games, famously got COVID twice, uh, was one of the players that was, that broke the, the rules that of like hanging out in hotel, in a hotel room with other players. Um, I know that there's a lot of, you know, curiosity of as if the Capitals will bring him back. Um, it's one of those things where I'm 
I'm looking at next season to see if this year was just one of those years if the pandemic really affected him. I mean, um, say what you will about his stuff outside of like the sport, but it's clear that getting COVID impacted him. He only had nine goals. It was a very off year for him. Um, and he's been a nearly 20 goal scorer for most of his career. Um, yeah. I would be curious to see if he brings, if he jumps back to that level this fall. Um, I'm not sure. I There's probably more discussion surrounding him, but that was a name that I didn't see on your list uh, that I was curious if you had any thoughts on because uh, he was definitely a disappointing player for me last year from, you know, all the stuff that went on off the ice to on the ice. Yeah, I think the Washington Capitals would very much agree with you. <laughs> I mean, Kuznetsov is so sickeningly skilled, right? Like, yeah. he just has so much talent. And, you know, 29 points in 41 games isn't the worst, but it's also just way below expectations for him. And this is his second season where he's kind of trending downward a little bit. The one thing I worry about with him is he is now uh, 29 years old, which is around the time when offensive skills can start to diminish and I wonder if we've just seen the best of Kuznetsov and some of the off-ice issues that have kind of plagued him a little bit over the last year and a half, including, uh, you know, getting suspended for... I don't know if he actually faced a suspension when he tested positive for drug use. Oh, after yeah. After he got caught on video using drugs and was like, it, w- it wasn't drugs, test me, and <laughs> tested positive, <laughs> which is one of the all-time funniest things. Like, it's, I don't want to laugh. I'm not laughing about yes. any addiction if he is addicted. It's just such a funny thing it's to the, like, have the balls to say, test me, I'm not doing it. And then it's it's that it's get, that meme caught. of that guy's like, what are you going to do, stab me? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Man who was stabbed. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But, you know, obviously, office issues, that that's not what we're laughing at. Yes. Being very clear here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Kuznetsov... He might bounce back a little, but I wonder if we've just seen the best of him and yeah, for what we get from here on out is going to be like not what we usually expect from him. Yeah, like a Patrick so, Line basically is what we're saying. He's yeah, very, a I very mean, similar... Line might be a different situation. Cause I, I remember I was talking about Line a couple of years ago uh, when I was working uh, covering the Jets and I was talking to some Jets fan and they were because I wrote an article about like if you look at Line's save percent or his shooting percentage and how he's able to score, he has the potential to be the first goal scorer to hit seventy goals since like I think it was like Brett Hall, and they were like, "That's crazy! How how can you say that about Line?" And I was like, "I'm not saying that it's likely. Like it's almost equally likely to me that Line becomes a generational scorer as it is that he's out of the league in a couple of years." Yeah, like that's I, how boomer bust he is. Yeah, and which is wild considering what he showcased in his first couple NHL seasons when we thought this guy was, you know, the next Alex Ovechkin. We really, we were really all saying that, and now he could very well bomb out of the league. It's, it's, it's wild. That's probably a discussion for another day on Patrick Laine's career history. But uh, it is, I, I definitely see the comparisons. I guess a little bit between Kuznetsov and Laine just because they might have already hit their peak and. They might not. They might not ever get back to it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, well, uh, I don't know how many more you want to go on before we need to move on. But Sam Reinhardt is also an interesting one on this list, just because you know he's now uh, moved on from the Buffalo Sabers and is now with the Florida Panthers, who are on the rise. Uh, so I think that's definitely a big one that I would, I could see, you know, having a bounce back year and really being an incredible value for the the Panthers next season. Yeah, I, I think Sam Reinhardt's going to be put into a situation that he's never experienced, right? <laughs> a, a team that really has things going well for them and has depth around him to to uh, facilitate a, a breakout year of sorts. He's a solid two-way player who with a lot of offensive skill at the same 
time. So I, I kind of expect Sam Reinhardt to have a career year, which is bold words. Really fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's the best, right? And it's kind of like the, the weird thing is like Alex DeBrinkett was on there as well as a guy who could bring a lot more. And I look at Alex DeBrinkett last year and he had 56 points in 52 games. So it's not just about production, right? Like obviously defensively he had some issues in terms of like goals going in against him, but it wasn't necessarily his play on the ice. Uh, he was very, very, very solid and he didn't get the results that were expected uh, for him uh, defensively. So that's a guy who you could watch in Chicago and think and maybe with the changes that they've made, he has yet another breakout year in him in terms of two-way play. He's an excellent, fantastic offensive player, but breaking out two-way as a two-way player brings uh, it to another level. And the one that I thought was a little bit surprising that was on there was Josh Anderson, hmm. who I watch him and I say, good player, but I also watch him and I say, he's got one move. <laughs> and he does it every time. He skates down the down the wing and then tries to cut inside and go short side and he rarely pulls it off he can't really pass the puck very well and he doesn't really contribute on the forecheck too much like he lays some hits but he doesn't get the puck and redistribute it back to his teammates he's not necessarily a great net front player he had a great uh, like Stanley Cup final but overall I think he's a guy that in order to bounce back and become a bigger player for the Montreal Canadiens, he needs to add some tools to his game. Yeah, like he, He's less a guy on this list that I'm like, okay, I just expect this to happen for you. Or I think Josh Anderson needs to take the bull by the horns, so to speak, and advance his game with a skills coach. Yeah, I think that that's a great point and definitely a, a player I will be paying attention to because I guess that's not a name one would think of uh, when thinking of possible, you know, bounce back players, but... That could definitely be one of them. If they... Well, you got to hope the Canadians hope that he's a bounce back player because yeah. he's signed forever. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him that seven year contract without much proven in his career. So they've got to expect him to be a bit more than what he was last year, which was essentially a, a third line winger. And they need somebody to establish themselves as a, a top line or second line winger because they've got Gallagher to Foley and Caulfield who are going to be in that top six. And the last spot is kind of open for the taking, whether it's going to be Druin, Anderson, Hoffman, like there's some com competition there, but nobody is set. So I, I think that Ho and Anderson has an opportunity there to grasp onto something and, and create a narrative for himself and a career for himself that's above what he's shown so far. And uh, we'll see if he does it. Yeah, I All am right. with you on that. So next up, we're going to talk about Evander Kane again. Unfortunately, he keeps on getting himself in the news. And uh, we've talked about this story before, but there's more details now. But before we do that, I have to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and mixed martial arts action. Before the next pitch, head on over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON. So Vander Kane's teammates don't appear to be very happy. Uh, 
That's I think that's not an new. understatement, Andrew. Yeah. I mean, this is like reading this story from, I believe, Kevin Kurz. Uh, at The Athletic, yes, Kevin Kurz. At The Athletic, yeah. Was saying that according to one source, there's frustration with Kane stemmed from a general disrespect for team rules, such as being late for practices and games, and zero co- consequences came, which caused a ripple effect with the younger guys, added one source. According to another source, it wasn't e- easy dealing with him this season. So obviously, before this season... We knew Kane had some debt issues. Uh, he was being sued by a casino in Vegas, which we talked about last episode. Uh, there was stress on him for sure that may have exacerbated some of his issues that he usually has. But this isn't the first time that he's gotten in trouble for being late to, to practices in games or disrespecting team rules. I don't know if you remember, Mary, but when he was with the Winnipeg Jets way, way a long time ago, uh, it got to be such an issue that Dustin Bufflin took his clothes that he arrived in at a practice and threw them in the shower. So Kane had nothing to wear on the way home. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, so and like, I was... at the time, I think a lot of people were like shocked and like uh, made angry gestures at Dustin Bufflin for acting that way. But it seems like Kane kind of burns out his teammates after a while. Yeah. Uh, I was looking up that story while we were talking about it um, last time, but uh, we didn't want to run overtime, so I didn't mention it, but I'm glad we had a chance to because I do remember that story. Um, and it is, it's there's definitely a pattern here. And I mean, there's been a pattern for a while, it seems, with this guy, uh, but it, it really is to the point where I'm, I mean, it's probably for the best if, you know, the allegations are true, these things turn out to be true, that he probably shouldn't be in the nhl anymore just you know for the good of himself to you know possibly better himself and also i don't it's hard to see where he could fit in with an nhl team if uh these stories are true where teammates don't want him on the team it's it's going to be very difficult to bring him back to the sharks next year i mean i know the sharks aren't on you know a competing team it's just like how do you bring that type of guy back into uh that atmosphere that that's been created it's just a very difficult situation overall um so it really seems like uh evander kane's time in the nhl could very well be coming to an end just with everything culminating and it is it's it's kind of sad to see honestly uh because it's clear he has the the hockey talent um and it's just either choices or you know possible like gambling addiction possible gambling addiction and stuff like that like it's really just been sad to see because there's a lot of talent here that's been wasted and i hope you know if things turn out to be true he gets the help he needs uh because this is serious and it 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 really might not go well for him in the future uh so i really you know i mean there's there might be other stuff with him too but it is it's just it's one of those things where i you know hope for him getting better for himself and for others at this point yeah addiction is no joke and you know gambling addiction i don't think people who haven't dealt with somebody who's had this issue truly understand that it is essentially the same as a substance abuse addiction like it's the same kind of desperation and you get used to lying so much and hiding things it it's a really scary thing that it, the way that it takes over your mind and you're always stuck on this belief that the next thing that you do is going to fix everything and it just keeps on like the hole you dig gets deeper and deeper and deeper so it's not as much of a like a physical strain as a substance abuse issue but it's very much the same mentally and you know 
despite the fact that Kane is obviously dealing with something and that there are issues with him that have followed him his entire career, like you said, he is very good at hockey. Last year on the incredibly middling Sharks, uh, he put up 49 points in 56 games, led the team. Like, there is talent there. He he does have a, a strong hockey career for a reason, but he is playing himself out of it. And if the allegations are true that he actually bet on hockey games that he was playing in, like there's he'll never play another game. Yeah. There's zero chance if that's true that he'll ever play another game. Yeah. And, and the it, NHL would never allow it. And it has to be said, and I think we mentioned this in the last episode, that he was accused of sexual assault and sexual harassment. So there's yes. been a lot about him over the years. I know and straight up like physical abuse as well. Yeah. Uh, he's been accused of not by his wife, but mm-hmm. uh, by other women at clubs and such. Yeah. This has been a, it's a very difficult conversation to talk about because there's so much going on uh, with him and in his past. And um, and obviously we stand with, you know, sexual harassment and sexual abuse survivors and stuff like that. I think that doesn't need to be said here we've talked about that in the past it's just this is one of those conversations that's very difficult to have because you know i mean we weren't around when you know the whole patrick kane thing happens but it's one of those things where so it was a good hockey player it's it's just difficult it's one of those things where this is still ongoing and now he now you add gambling on top of that and it's you know there's a lot to this story but i wanted to make that said because i i believe we mentioned it last time but we i think we should you know, mentioned it again that um, there is a lot wrapped up in this story, and yeah, yeah. I think in a in a way, I think Evander Kane is kind of the perfect example of how complicated these scenarios are because he's also a guy who was hailed for the last year or so for his advocacy. Right, he was a founding member of the Hockey Diversity Alliance, which you know, I, I think does some good work, but also has its issues. I believe they still have no women in their executive board, uh, which is a, a big oversight that should have been corrected by now, especially with like black girl hockey out there doing great work as well. Like bring Renee in to talk at the very least, you know, but yeah. like it, people are complicated, right? I think Kane can be somebody who wants to make positive change on in like racial issues and at the same time be a very problematic person yeah and it's hard to juggle that when you're talking about someone uh it's just it's it becomes complicated especially when you're in sports right and a lot of people just want people like reporters to stick to sports and i remember like working at sportsnet oftentimes i was asked to write something about patrick kane right because he's a big player he's a big draw i've never felt comfortable writing about patrick kane since that allegation came up. Yeah, same. Because if I have to write about him specifically as a hockey player, it's very difficult to pass through editors mentioning anything about that, right? Like, they don't want you to mention that because that's a distraction from but what you you're saying. But you have to for due diligence sake, yeah. Yeah, you have to say something. And at the same time, for the most part, when you're writing about Patrick Kane, you're going to be praising his game mm-hmm. because he's a very good hockey player. And the same thing happens with Evander Kane. Very ironic that they're both named Kane. But speaking of the Hockey Diversity Alliance, they released a statement as well saying that the Hockey Diversity Alliance is aware of the allegations against our colleague and friend Evander Kane and find them troubling. We take these accusations very seriously and we are committed to learning the truth. We believe in due process and respect the privacy of Mr. Kane and his family. In the meantime, Mr. Kane is on voluntary leave as an HDA board member as to not distract from our mission to eradicate systemic racism and intolerance in hockey. How did you find that statement, Mary? I mean, 
uh, you know, it is a it, it's a statement, and I guess I just yeah. want to go you know go back and mention you you make good points about you know. Uh, the duality of all this stuff and the difficulty that comes with, you know, because you're right. I also had difficulty, you know, writing about Patrick Kane um, and I really don't like to write about him uh, because of all that stuff, because um, it's one of those things where you have to do your due diligence and mention it um, in articles. But editors don't don't always take, uh, you know, lightly with talking about that stuff. It's just very difficult. Um, but I remember when Kane was announced as being part of the Hockey Diversity Alliance, there was, you know, a lot of pushback because of uh, the things he had done or was alleged to have done in his past with the sexual assault and you know, just assault in general. Um, so, I mean, if things shake out the way that they might be shaking out um, and, you know, Kane very could possibly be leaving the Hockey Diversity Alliance, I hope that, you know, maybe they use this opportunity to, like you said, promote a woman of color to this, um, to the board and to that spot, because I think it is more than well-deserved and it should have happened in the first place. Yes. Um, it's just, it, it's really difficult because the Hockey Diversity Alliance should be a good thing, but Kane's presence on it was one of those things where, like, we see you're there's trying- a cloud to, hanging over, yes, right? Yes, we see you're trying to do right, but there's already so much wrong to begin with, so it's just- much like a lot of things about the Evander Kane situation has just been, uh, you know, difficult to talk about because of the duality of things. Um, and it's just, it's it's a major disappointment. This whole thing is just, it is. it's very, very disappointing. And like we said, we hope that, you know, the people involved get help, get assistance, things end up okay. I There's really, I guess, not much more we can, you know, hope for in that regard is you know, things get resolved in, you know, a peaceful and, you know, manner that... Yeah, harmonious manner. <laughs> yeah, that works for everybody involved. But uh, things don't always happen that way because that's life. But I, I can only hope for the best for everybody involved here. Yeah, and we'll keep covering this story as it progresses and we get more details and understand more of what's going on. But coming up next, is Nathan McKinnon a psycho? Well, we'll tell you, he likes to control his teammates' diets, apparently, but hopefully he doesn't stop them from trying Built Bars, because Built Bars are not only delicious, they are also incredibly healthy for you. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors, it's hard to even pick a favorite? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely fa passionate about their favorites, but they're all in on more than one flavor. There's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. And there's also some limited time surprise flavors that get mixed in every once in a while. If you haven't tried all the flavors or you're just an adventurous person, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built, ba Built Bars the best tasting, they're also healthy. Check out the macros. Each bar has 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today, and you can get the grasshopper cookie. That's that's an interesting interesting idea, a grasshopper cookie built bar. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team that has won some medals today, I believe. And go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked 15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
All right. So Nathan McKinnon, uh, it was not necessarily directly about McKinnon, but uh, Nikita Zadorov did uh, an interview with a Russian paper that was translated to English. And he had some interesting things to say about <laughs> McKinnon, which, uh, for the record, Zadorov was positive about it. He was talking about he saw the progression in Nate's game while he was there and how much of a pro he is. He says that he has a dietologist. I don't know if that's really a good transition. I'm guessing it means dietitian. That he pays 50 grand a year. He has a live-in doctor and physiotherapist in his house during the season. That He pays $1,000 a day. In addition to uh, he rents them a house or an apartment. Uh, he has his own chef who he pays another 100 grand a year. I don't know how Zadorov knows how much <laughs> <laughs> he's paying him a year. He knows maybe a little bit too much uh, financial details. Maybe speculating a little bit he says he simply invests in himself and his own body so that he can play at the highest levels he says he's crazy that way he eats right he doesn't drink he drinks only water and two years ago in colorado he got rid of all the pop ice cream and desserts he got rid of all of them in the dressing room and pre-game meals he even got rid of uh carbonara for pasta and he replaced the actual pasta itself with chickpea pasta that has more protein he made pros out of the entire colorado team that's one of the reasons Colorado got such an improvement in performance over the last couple of years. He says, guys, if you want to eat that crap, you have the offseason for that. When you come here, there'll be none of that because we're winning the cup. All the young guys see it and look up to him and try to do their part. He says that Nate McKinnon is like Michael Jordan. I don't want to make a direct comparison, but his way of thinking is very similar to MJ. He can be a jerk to his teammates or line mates, and you need to accept that. It would improve you as a hockey player as a, as a result. If you can't accept it, well, you're off the team. He's always the hardest working guy. He comes 30 minutes before practice, constantly working on his hands. Young guys see that he's the best player in the NHL and still works to improve, and it motivates them to work even harder. If you miss a pass in practice, he would skate over and literally scream at you. You can't pass him the puck without hitting his stick. We had young players come over during the playoffs. If the puck ends up in his skates, or not even in his skates, if it misses his stick by a tiny bit, like 15 centimeters in front of the blade of his stick, he doesn't move his stick to catch up to the puck. He stops everything, turns around, and slaps the puck back at you. He's not trying. He's not going to try to receive any puck he doesn't like during practice, just to show you that you made a crappy pass. He is the guy that demands everyone leaves everything out there. So uh, this is somewhat psychotic behavior from Nathan McKinnon, or alleged behavior. Mary, do you think this is just the sacrifice necessary to be an elite talent, or is this a little bit over the top? Uh, I think over the top might be, you know might be where we're at here at least for me i must say the memes are kind of funny um yes the, there have been some fantastic there have some really funny memes um this is one of those stories where i'm like okay it's hard for me to be like um i mean he can do what he what he what he wants or whatever but it's just like this is a weird story because i'm like is he over the top and is it funny or like you know when we compare it to other things like you know, like PK Subban not being a good leader or whatever. I just, I feel like there's, there's this weird, you know, dichotomy here within hockey where like, you know, these things are seen as normal, but, you know, donating money to, a, you know, for a children's hospital is, is, is a sign of a bad leader. It just, it leaves me with the weird taste in my mouth because like, you know, haha, funny, funny jokes, funny memes about, you know, Nathan McKinnon tossing cake out of the locker room. Hilarious. But then I'm like, uh, this might be a little too much. But, like, like I don't know. There's some jerk behavior here, definitely, with, you know, the, like, not receiving passes from teammates on the ice, like, throwing the puck, like, like throwing the puck, like, 
passing it back uh, and, you know, making them do it incorrectly. I mean, but it seems as if a lot of the, or at least Zadorov didn't mind that, thought that the team rallied around that. This is one of those things where there's like a hockey culture thing that I just don't get. <laughs> but there's definitely a dichotomy here where I'm like, eh, I mean... <laughs> We've seen, you know, how other players have been treated in the past for weird things. And this is just one of those where you think it would elicit a different reaction. But I'm like, eh, eh, I don't know. I don't know about you, Andrew, but that's kind of how I feel about it. I'm honestly glad that you brought that up because I didn't even get there in my I didn't think of that comparison at all. And I do remember, you know, covering the Montreal Canadiens when Sue Ann was a youngster. That like one of the criticisms levied against him was that he was like too intense in practice and he would get on his teammates nerves and there was shoving matches and he got in a couple of like gloves on fights near the near the boards for like battling too hard. And like there absolutely is. This is another one of those areas where there, there's a difference in reaction based on who you are. And somebody like Nathan McKinnon can probably get away with this kind of stuff. And a guy like Evander Kane or not necessarily Vander Kane. I don't want to bring him up as an example of a good leader or a good person, but uh, PK Subban or uh, we'll go back in time, say Kevin Weeks uh, could probably not get away with that. And that's interesting to me that we really haven't had, I think that discussion online about this specific thing. And here's the other thing is we don't actually know how true the details are yeah. of this because players that talk to Russian papers often uh, the reporters don't write down direct quotes, for example, and sometimes exaggerate things. So we don't actually know how much of this is true. Like, I don't think it's unbelievable at all that, say, Nathan McKinnon would be the driving force between behind, like, getting rid of suites in the dressing room or supplied by the team. Like, we, I remember when that Dallas Eakins did that in Edmonton. Uh, I feel like and, uh, Ron Hextall was not a fan of the Flyers having pizza one time. I feel like I remember this story. Don't yeah, quote me on like, that, I, but I feel like there was, like, a thing where you know, we didn't want pizza in the locker room. Yeah. And I understand that to an extent. I know that like, I think Nathan McKinnon has been to like the Gary Roberts camp of like training camp during the summer. And Gary Roberts is like, you can only eat bean sprouts. Oh yes. A good that, a Tom Brady doesn't eat a strawberry. Yeah. And I, I feel like whenever you're an elite athlete, if you think something is going to help you, you kind of suffer through it and do it. But at the same time, I, I just wonder how much performance are you actually getting out of that extreme diet alteration? Like, is it enough to actually suffer through it and just be miserable? And I like the thing that I wonder reading all this, and it's nothing against McKinnon, because I think the attitude of being hard on teammates is very common in sports, especially from star players. You see guys yelling at their teammates on the bench to like get it together, or be a rallying cry. And it seems to be something that works for the avalanche right now. But I wonder, you know, like if they end up in the second round next year going out again, does this kind of behavior start to become less of a motivator and more of a issue where guys are getting grinded down and no longer happy? Yeah, this this definitely is like the like it can go either way. It 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 seems for now that the avalanche, you know, if this is true, for the most part, they're OK with it because they think it's going to help them win. But. When it gets to the point, like you said, if they, you know, get knocked out in the second round again, it could very well tip towards disaster. Uh, so this is just one of those stories where I'm like, oh, yeah, the memes are funny. But like when I look a little bit more under the surface, I'm like, eh, there's some like possible problematic things here uh, that I just don't like. Is not a big fan of, but 
it, it seems to be working for them, but like, I don't know, like controlling, you know, a player, like your teammates diets by like throwing out cake, you know, like I said, makes for a funny meme, but like, at what point does it go from, you know, good leadership in quotations to, you know, being a jerk for no yeah. real reason. So and and it's one of those things where like I'm sure you watched The Last Dance, right? No, on Netflix. I'm not. Uh, okay, oh, really? I'm sorry. I'm not a basketball person. Uh, Neither I'm, am I'm a, I. I'm a fraud. I'm I'm a failure of a sports fan. I do not. No, like no, basketball. no. Honestly, I'm not a huge basketball person either. Like when I grew up, obviously, because I'm a little bit older than you. Like Michael Jordan was ubiquitous, right? Even if you didn't know basketball, you knew who Michael Jordan was. He was everywhere. Biggest athlete in the world, bar none. He was gigantic. He essentially put that sport on the map uh internationally so michael jordan to me has always been like a person of interest but even if you don't know much about michael jordan i think that documentary is phenomenal to watch because it's it's a combination of you know you see people and they're like yeah i don't like teammates of michael jordan they're like i don't really like michael jordan (laughs) but also he was a great leader and got us to where we are so i think like that kind of behavior you accept it from a star player if you're winning, right? And they yes. won six times in eight years, I think. I think there was two years in a row that they didn't win in the middle there. So when you're winning, absolutely, you see that as like, this guy is motivating me to me to be my best self. He's keeping me honest. He's pushing me, pushing the right buttons. But at the same time, like, in retrospect, not a lot of his teammates ended up liking Michael Jordan. Like even guys who were tight with him back in the day, like in that documentary, Scottie Pippen was not too enthused with Jordan. And after the documentary came out, he released more statements that were kind of pissed off at how much Michael Jordan was taking credit for what they were able to accomplish as a team. So like that kind of stuff, I I think it does have an expiration date if you don't win right away. And Mm -hmm. I, I just wonder if, that kind of behavior from McKinnon, if it's what he's actually like, because again, we don't know. This is unsubstantiated from a player who's no longer on that team, by the way, and wasn't last year either. I, I just wonder if there's an expiry date on acting that way if you don't get far. Yeah, I agree. It, it Yeah. But at least the memes are fun for now. Yes, it's very funny. I mean, the idea of Nathan McKinnon like slapping somebody's pop-tart out of their hand is yeah hilarious it, yeah but yeah uh, at least at least hockey twitter is good with the jokes i'm always for that yeah they're always always there for <laughs> us with the jokes so uh coming up next we're gonna do our pop culture roulette segment mary's got some olympics talk and i watched the bo burnham inside uh special on netflix finally after so many people suggested it to me so we're gonna talk about that but before we do that we're gonna talk to you about rock auto This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning about your vehicle and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry when you have a computer or a phone with access to rockauto.com and you can, you know, you can browse all sorts of brands you can price check you can compare you can see what fits your needs best save time and money using rock auto why choose to spend 30 to 50 to 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership rockauto.com has the same prices for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers which chain stores do not mechanics pay cost you do not 
Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go use their website today and browse their unique catalog and find the solutions to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, Mary, do you want to go first with the Olympic stuff or what, 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 what would you prefer? Sure, I'll go first with the Olympics. Uh, just wanted to shout out Simone Biles for coming yes. back and winning bronze on the balance beam. Good for her. Uh, that, that definitely awesome. has to feel good. Uh, I didn't watch it live because uh, I was sleeping. But, you know, when I woke up to take it, the dogs outside, uh, I was able to catch the clip on Twitter before NBC, you know, took it down, uh, which is, you know, another big pet peeve of mine from this Olympics. But good for her. I'm really glad uh, that she was, you know, she got back out there and, you know, put on a show. And it was really great to see her smile at the end of her routine, I think says it all. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, I like, I, I've become the Simone Biles champion on this uh, podcast here, but I just wanted to shout her out uh, for doing, you know, everything that has happened. I'm just, I'm glad that this is the way it ended here in Tokyo for her. And I just, all my support to her and her teammates. Um, it was been a really fun Olympics. Um, just thank you for shining light on, you know, taking care of yourself mentally and, and physically too, but taking care of yourself mentally first and foremost. So that, that means a lot to me. Um, I guess my other thing is about the Olympics. It's been fun. We're winding down. Um, kind of sad that, NBC's broadcast um, has been very uh, bad, I would say, uh, <laughs> because like that Simone Biles thing happened at like 5 a.m. or something like that, 5, 6 a.m., close to that. Um, and then you couldn't find it on NBC's, uh, you're like, you couldn't find clips, you couldn't find the, you know, rebroadcast on any of their streaming services. It wasn't on TV. They were holding it all back for primetime. But on their actual website, they were spoiling it with the giant banner across. I don't really care about Olympic spoilers that much. It's one of those things where, like, uh, the time difference is so great. It's sports. I, I don't really care about sports spoilers as much as, like, TV or, you know, video game spoilers. Because um, I can still go back and watch a sporting event and enjoy, you know, knowing how it ends type of thing. But I don't understand what NBC's doing here. I mean, Andrew, you have it uh you you have it much better up there in Canada, it seems. But NBC, I think, has really bungled the Olympics. It, their mindset is very much a people want to watch this on prime time and no other time. It's a very, you know, pre-internet type of thing. And I yeah. really think that they're missing the mark here um by holding back, you know, coverage, holding back uh clips online. Uh, I mean, if you share a, a clip of it, you are going to get sniped. <laughs> I've seen it happen to people uh, trying to write about it has been very unfortunate uh, because we're like, what do we do? There's no clips out, but this happened. Uh, so it's just one of those very weird scenarios. And I think NBC's doing this backwards and they paid however many millions of dollars for their coverage and they're doing it completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, it is really unfortunate. Now, I know that... Uh... In on NBC, they also like don't cover non-American athletes. <laughs> yeah, they just like skip over them, mm -hmm. which I think that is something that Canada does a little bit better. We do focus on our athletes, of course, and our coverage, but I think that there is like room left for the rest of the competitive field. And you watch like whole events, and they just carry them live. Uh, 
Have to shout out to Andre DeGrasse for winning the 200 meter. He's the first Canadian to win that event since, like, I think it was 1928. So it's been almost a century. Wow. Uh, he was. It's been a long time coming for DeGrasse. He was second uh, in the I think the 100 meter and the 200 meter last Olympics to Usain Bolt, and it gave us like it's a very iconic picture of them like running up to the finish line and DeGrasse is looking at Usain Bolt and Usain Bolt's looking back at him and they're both smiling at each other. Uh, so awesome moment for him. I read a feature on him on Sportsnet just this morning that he only started running like four years before his last Olympics. Wow. Like it's just not something that he started doing. He oh. was a basketball player and his high school canceled their basketball program. And it, a friend of his was like on a track team and, was, and he was like, uh, come watch my event. And he's like, nah, I don't want to watch. I'll run in it though. Wow. And they were like, they laughed at him. And then he showed up without like uh, he was wearing uh, somebody else's shoes because running shoes have spikes on them to stick into the dirt. And he was wearing like baggy basketball shorts and he had no practice. Didn't know like the form of how to like start on blocks. So he started standing and he finished second wow. in his first ever track. It's incredible meet. what athletes yeah. can do. It really is. And it, like when somebody's an elite athlete, they're an elite athlete, right? And it just so happened that there was a scout there at this track meet that brought him aboard and was like, listen, you're a 17-year-old. You don't really know how to run, but you're amazing. <laughs> so let us turn you into a real sprinter. And that, like his life just changed. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's such an incredible story. That's so really cool. Gotta do a shout out to him. Uh, first gold medal for Andre de Grasse and uh, a great moment for Canada. Yeah, before we move on from the Olympics and move on to your thing, I have a question. I saw on Twitter the other day a thing that was going around. It's like you have four years um, to win, like to four years to train uh, and win bronze in a specific Olympic event. And you win like $50 million or whatever. What would it be? And I picked fencing because mm -hmm. I've always wanted to have a sword. And <laughs> I think that um, I think that I not I I don't think I could win bronze, but I think I could reasonably like you know train and learn to fence. I don't know if I could win bronze, but I think that could be something I would do. Is there like an Olympic event you think you might have a chance to win bronze in if you you know drop everything at, for the next four years and attempt to train? If not in four years, if I had <laughs> stayed in it from the time that I was in high school and I was actually good at it, maybe wrestling. Okay, but. No, no, in four years. Considering my athletic and injury history, I'd be far more likely to do, to uh, suffer a catastrophic injury that like really hurt my <laughs> living. I'm glad or my standard of living for the rest of my life. Than I'm I would glad we're honest on this podcast here. Like yeah. I said, I, I, feel like I don't think I could win bronze. Between, but yeah, the gap between a regular person and an elite athlete is so, so large. Yeah. Like, 10 years wouldn't be enough you mm -hmm. know like and even if you're looking at 10 years to train like how old are you yeah. but i still right? think it'd most be fun these, i still think it'd it would be, be fun. fun it's a fun thought experiment mm -hmm. but uh most of us aren't gonna win a damn thing <laughs> <laughs> yep so uh the other thing uh, i watched uh, bo burnham's inside uh, his like comedy special for netflix where he i think he filmed it over the course of a year in one room with no audience he did the all the lighting the directing the filming the editing and I have to say I was not a Bo Burnham person before this. Like I'd never really watched much by him. I think coming out of it, he's an absolutely exceptional talent, but it was not good. <laughs> like in terms of entertainment value and comedy, not great. Like it, the whole time I was like, are, are you okay? Like it's just very concerning. Like I think that he is incredibly talented. Some of the songs were pretty good. 
but I don't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I watch, uh, I have TikTok, so a lot of his songs have been on TikTok since that special released yes the jeffrey, the jeffrey bezos, bezos song all the time all the time uh the one where he's you know laughing obnoxiously uh there are there are others like doing i i don't i've never seen the special i basically feel like i've seen it through tiktok uh at this point uh it is catchy i i i didn't really i knew who he was because he's had some vines in the past that i had forgotten were his uh so i have known of him but still like I mean, I think that I think it goes to show of what what this pandemic has done to people. Uh, so good for him, honestly, for putting that out there in the world, uh, because that definitely takes a lot of courage to, you know, put your thoughts over the past year of being inside out there for the world. And there are some catchy songs. I don't really have an opinion other than that, though, because I have not seen it. I just know the the songs that stick in my head as soon as you as soon as i saw on the dock that this is what we were going to end on the jeffrey bezos song is just stuck in my head now so thank you thank you it's super catchy it's super catchy (laughs) i mean i don't know is it super catchy or is it that it plays so often on tiktok that we just know it off by heart Uh, it's kind of both it's kind of both it is kind of catchy i must say it's got that hook it does but yeah it it it's very odd because it's like the whole time you're watching and so much of what he did in that special you're like wow you know so like you're so artistic you're so talented but this is just very concerning mentally (laughs) like it's just there are some very clever ideas but the execution is kind of hampered by the fact that like maybe it's just too relatable how crazy yeah i think that maybe you're seeing a mirror reflected back at you here andrew yeah possibly i need to go outside yeah and with that (laughs) i think that's all we have for you on today's crosscheck nhl show We're going to talk to you again next week, and we're going to start our big, ambitious project across the Locked On NHL Network. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. But first, before I let you go, I got to talk to you about Locked On Bets. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicap expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, and wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Bets. Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts.